use like all the uh, afterworks and everything. You're going to look like Brad Pitt. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> gonna be, this is going to be B-roll. This is going to be awesome. Um, That's right. Perfect. <laughs> hey, another episode of Technical Explanation Show. And today I get to speak with Ryan Simmons. Ryan um, actually wrestled at Kent State University. He is an official in Tennessee. And uh, we've been talking about this for forever. Finally made it come uh, to life. Uh, we've both been busy, probably most, mostly my fault. But Ryan, how you doing, man? Good, Bryce. I'm doing really good. Um, yeah, it's uh, about a few hundred text messages back and forth. But we made, finally connected here. So it's good to talk to you. Dude, it's uh, so cool. Like, you know, honestly, like I met you my first time. Like, just being honest, met you. I was like a 17-year-old in, in, in high school. And you were wrestling at Kent State came up and did a college visit uh you wrestled with some of my cousins the uppers and uh not to age you sorry <laughs> but like <laughs> it's so funny that like we connected through text and just picked up right away and before this we just talked for like 30 minutes um like we you know like we talked yesterday pretty cool and i think that says a lot about wrestling but um tell me about why tennessee why what are you what brought you to tennessee well, Bryce, I, um, as we were talking about LeBron earlier, um, I made a decision. <laughs> <laughs> I was living in, um, we were in just outside of Cleveland in Lynnhurst. Uh, my wife is from Solon. I was working for the 3M company and they moved me to Memphis, Tennessee. And I called my wife. I was in St. Paul, Minnesota. And I said, hey, we're moving to Memphis. Get your cowboy boots and sundress. We're we're out of here. And uh, I think it was on the flight down to Memphis. I started doing a little research into Memphis, and I called her back and said, "Hey, um, cancel the cowboy boots. Uh, <laughs> wrong city." Um, so I, I just assumed that uh, Memphis and Nashville were similar cities, but it turns out that Memphis is actually, um, I don't know how, I would say it's like Cleveland of the South. It's very much, it's that blue collar, hardworking, like. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> good. Yeah. I'd say, yeah, that's a great explanation. Blue collar, hardworking, a little more dangerous, you know, a little cutting edge. Yeah. My kind of city, a little more grit. I call oh, it, I think they, that's definitely, yeah, that's important. They call it the bluff city over there, uh, over there in Memphis. Um, so yeah, we, we moved to Memphis. Gina was eight months pregnant. So that was, um, that was an experience all to itself. That was fun. Um, didn't know anybody. Um, but again, you know, wrestling kind of always brings things full circle. So as soon as we got there, I did a quick little Google search, uh, where some wrestling teams were around town, met a couple people, started going in some wrestling rooms, uh, helping out with a couple programs around town. And then um, one thing led to another, I was, you know, doing a little bit of coaching and realized real quickly that my schedule was traveling. I was covering Mississippi, Arkansas, Tennessee, uh, the 3M company, and just really didn't have time to coach on the weekends. I mean, I could coach on the weekends, but didn't have time to fully commit to coaching, uh, during the week. Um, and one of the coaches like, Hey, we could really use you if you, you wanted to officiate. And I said, Whoa, buddy, uh, I don't appreciate. No way. Right. <laughs> there's, one, there's one thing I know, and that's uh, I do not like officials. Um, they're terrible people. So um, he said, come on, man, give it a shot. We could really use you. And I go, well, all right, let me let me see what happens. And I, I'll never forget that first day, um, like putting on black pants and black socks and like just sitting down with the other officials thinking, I, I don't want to be here. I just felt like I was... I joined the dark side of, <laughs> of the sport. Stormtrooper. <laughs> yeah, it felt really dirty. I didn't. I didn't know what to think. Um, I I recall it was our first meeting, and the gentleman, uh, the head official of the day, it was it was a youth tournament. He's like, "All right, guys, it was real you know, six, seven year olds. I think we're starting with." He goes, "Well, who wins?" raise both guys' hands. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I wouldn't have done that either. <laughs> he, he looked at me. With like, I was, I was like, who is this guy from Cleveland, Ohio? <laughs> but uh, he ended up being one of my best friends. The guy's fantastic. And, you know, it, it's, uh, 
like anything else, they, they become like brothers. And, uh, you know, we ended up spending eight years in Memphis and uh, ended up calling a lot, a lot more than I had anticipated. So after that first day going through it and I, they just threw me to the wolves out there. And I think after that first year I was calling the region and then calling the state and kind of just like anything else, you jump into it. And, uh, it's a pretty cool experience, right? Well, I want to circle back real quick and then jump into that. So no. 3M, um, uh, my cousin who went to Kent State with you, Drew, he works for 3M too. Is that funny like how a, that works, isn't it? <laughs> is there a Kent State connection there? Is that, is that? Yeah, I don't know how he got go a to job Kent State there. if you want to work at 3M. That's the question right now. <laughs> yeah, so um, at the time, I, I, had, I had been at 3M for a couple of years and Drew was, uh, he had just graduated and he was, uh, I think, I, I want to say he was working at Scott's, you know, yeah. over in North Carolina. Yeah. He and, was. Uh, one of my uh, executives is in town and said, hey, we're looking for somebody. And I'm like, hey, I got a guy over here in North Carolina. He's like, hey, give me his resume. So had Drew, uh, called Drew, got his resume, and then Drew took off from there. So uh, I just want to summarize what you just said for the last, like, 10, 15, you know, we talked about is, like, wrestling is a family. Like, yeah. you moved to a completely different state. People, like, welcomed you in, Right you became an official, you did state and districts in your first year. You also got someone employed, employed. You still works there 10 years later. Um, yeah. He actually left and then came back. He, he, he obviously did a good job at 3M. So I got him an introduction, but Drew did a pretty darn good job. Of, but, uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like, like the things that you learn from wrestling, not only being a competitor, we'll go into that, you know, some of yeah. your experience too, but being an official, it's a family. And that's why it's so important that more people that maybe think, wrestling their career is done like becoming an official can not only make you some money right now and help the sport but it can open up doors for you later on yeah absolutely i mean i i think every i owe everything not i mean everything's kind of an exaggeration but I got a you. lot of things in my life are because of wrestling um and that could you could say that about I mean, you look at whatever you're into, right? My daughter's into gymnastics. My other daughter's into dance. My son's into baseball and wrestling. Whatever it is you're into, if you have a passion behind it, you a lot of things can be gained from that. And for me, it was wrestling, right? And a lot of my friends, uh, a lot of my connections throughout life are tied to wrestling. Um, you know, I've gotten interviews because of wrestling. I've gotten jobs because of wrestling. I met my wife and my family is because of wrestling. Um, you know, my wife's brother wrestled at West Virginia. Um, he used to come up to Kent. So she had natural friends uh, that were in the wrestling community. And that's how she used to hang around the, the wrestling uh, friends at Kent. And we became friends at Kent. And that's where we met. So um, had it not been for wrestling, we probably wouldn't have met. Um, so a lot of connections and a lot of everything are, you know, via wrestling. And of course, your cousins and I we're pretty close throughout college and are still remain close. Uh, Drew and Jared and the, well, the entire upper family, you know, I, it was 1999 when Jared came on the campus. I'm like, I know this guy, he's pretty cool. And then uh, <laughs> I, I used to go back to Sandusky and that's when I got to meet uh, Eddie um, and the whole family. And, you know, I, I remember, I remember walking in and meeting Eddie for the first time. I'm like, man, this guy, this guy really has it going on. I, I, I want what this guy has. Here he is with four sons who are all, well, look like top caliber wrestlers, right? I mean, they're not just wrestling. These kids, these kids are all studs. Then, then you look further on, they're all four-year degrees, all successful. I mean, Jeff Bezos couldn't buy what Eddie O has. And <laughs> I remember. Hey, don't, don't forget Julie. Julie's the same. Julie. we all know she's running the show right <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and he's the luckiest man but i remember like i want what the what they have i remember going back to sandusky and thinking and i want what they have and that's i i just remember i learned a lot from the upper family like, so you learn a lot from college but those courses don't really mean anything it's all about the people you you meet um and the connections you make and yeah and a I mean, lot can be, uh, I, I just owe a lot to those people that I've met throughout my life at Kent and throughout wrestling. So the Kent State Flashes, I mean, that's, that's you guys, you guys are right on the cutting edge right there. Like that was right the flashes, there. buddy. 
Yeah. I like to think that our class, that class with, you, with your Seth, class was, that's what, I mean, that's what led to like Kilgore, right? Mitch F, all that stuff. I mean, I would like to think so. Um, no, no, it, it's true. You see, when, when I, it was uh, the class of myself and Zev, uh, Nemeth and Kenny Clark. I like to think that like our class, like we stuck together. There was a, a lot of the classes before us, they had a lot of good individuals, but the seniors that like graduate, there would be like two, three guys graduating in a class. Um, and there were a lot of good studs in those classes, but we sort of stuck together. There was a good six, seven, eight of us that graduated. Um, was Ben Rings like a year after you then? Ben Rings was a year after me. He was with Jared. Yeah, and then he went and served, didn't he? Yeah, funny. So Ben and I, uh, my senior year in 03, uh, the weekend before the MAC tournament, Ben and I went back to the Ohio State tournament to, uh, we went back to his parents' house. So we stayed there. We were watching the state tournament. You guys both Cleveland guys? Ben, ben Rings? Yeah, you and you and him, like Cleveland area? Is that? No, he lived in Marysville. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, he's a monarch. Okay, cool. Yeah, he's a monarch. Then um, Sean Andrews is there right now. So you got Ken Connect Ken connections there now. Right. Good. Sorry. So that's why we went, the state tournament was in Columbus. And he's like, hey, let's go back to my parents' house. We'll stay there. We'll go to the state tournament. I'm like, oh, it sounds like a good idea. Get us out of here for a day. We were down there. And on our way back, like the next day, he found out he had to go serve. And the MAC tournament was the next weekend. So then Zeb stepped up and like jumped into the lineup and did a great job. But um yeah he was starting all of a sudden that is nuts i had no idea yeah it was a crazy story but um yeah ben was starting and doing a great job and then the week before the mac tournament finds out he's got to go i i don't know if it was iraq or afghanistan but he was going somewhere overseas what a teammate like that's i want to suit up next to you know what i mean like oh absolutely i mean the whole team we were just there was a bunch of great guys in that kent team and that's like i just felt like my senior year that that class was like the start of a, a change of culture um and then when you know jimmy took over after that started bringing in some higher caliber guys and really just built upon you know after we left and then of course the, that class that took over after we left i mean those guys took it to a whole other level but well I'll probably get, a flash <laughs> uh, dude you should be that's awesome um we're going to get into some more stuff. Like, I feel like this could go way longer than a normal episode. I told you, know? you Bryce. I'm, an, I'm totally I, cool with that. I'm totally cool <laughs> with that. But, like, before we even started recording, we were talking about, like, the first time we actually met in person with Mitch. Ah. <laughs> That's <the laughs> Mitch. Everybody knows Mitch, Bryce. No, no listeners don't. Like, every, the people that are listening think officials are, like, we wake up in the morning, we want to screw over the... 106 pounder from the northeast district whatever they don't understand we're people so yeah like, tell them about mitch all right so we'll get we'll we're sidetracking here now but so in college at uh 250 east erie street in kent ohio um <laughs> that doesn't does zeb own that like he owns half of kent so what's that zeb, no, zeb it's, no longer, that it's no longer there so it's been oh. torn down Every building I lived in in Kent has been torn down except for Dunbar Hall, which somehow still remains, which well, you're lucky thought, you have a room to film in right now. It's, <laughs> so 250 East Erie, which uh, that place was special. Um, uh, the basement of 250 East Erie was a petting zoo of sorts, um, if you didn't care for your fingers much. Uh, but we had a pet alligator. Um, his name was Mitch. It was in a, I think it was a 150 gallon aquarium. And um, we had 45 pound plates across the top of the aquarium to keep Mitch in place because Mitch, he was brought to us as a, a small alligator. But by the time Mitch died, he had grown, I uh, was about three, four feet long and was getting a little out of control toward his later days with us um and funny I'm enough sorry. i'm trying to be quiet over here the original the the owner of mitch and i i was is ray anthony jr so ray anthony senior is um a established official in uh, northern ohio but his son had a was a 
alligator collector at the time in college, apparently. Yeah. But he was a friend of ours in college and didn't have a place to keep his alligator. So we um, we kept him in our basement for him. And he would come over and feed him occasionally. We'd throw a rabbit in there and the thing was vicious. Oh, it rabbits? Yeah. I, it, I'm Bryce, I'm telling you, it was out of- We didn't talk about this before, so this is all new to me right now. It, I don't want to be too graphic. I noticed- um, I was going road trip, so- I mean, yeah. it, it, I went uh, through your 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 log of uh, interviews earlier. I noticed there was no E rating, so I'm trying to my best to <laughs> keep it that way. I told you P- PG-13 and we're good. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm doing my best. Um, <laughs> keep, um, but he would just ravage these things. And it, we had a chain mesh glove that we would pick him up with occasionally. But as you know, Bryce, you were there a few times. Um, we would have um, some get-togethers on occasion and people would not make wise decisions um and occasionally mitch would be out of his aquarium when times we prefer he wasn't um so i'm sure there were some liability issues there that we probably well, all i'm uh, saying is i only met mitch after he passed and uh, you know went to the rainbow bridge or where so yeah unfortunately mitch what we knew Mitch was alive because we would be sitting in the in the kitchen in the living room and we would hear this and that was Mitch ramming his head into like the 45 pound plates yeah and the 45 pound plates would just they would like hit and then land on top of the aquarium you would hear him like red and there was a day or two of silence and we're like "Uh oh this isn't good so the few of us we went down there with like bats one day because we thought maybe he got out and then we came around the corner and saw the water heater sticking out uh, both sides of his mouth and realized that he had uh, electrocuted himself. So. I, I, I remember that's how he met his demise. And So I think, Bryce, when you came down that one time, it was for the rest in peace Mitch party, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and it was like, it was right before homecoming. So yeah. it was like your last hurrah. Like, we all have to suck down and do, you know, it, we had to do hydration and all that stuff. So it was like, yeah eggs and eggs and uh, i was like i think i need to go to kent state um yeah that's <laughs> that was the thing kent state like well, a lot of us chose like we had a heck of a lineup of guys state champs but you know at the time kent state was uh we had a good you're a sleeping underdog like, yeah time. we went there but we had a lot of fun before and after the season during the season we were we were we we lived a Spartan lifestyle during the season, but before and after the season, we we let loose a little bit. No, and, I, uh, I mean, that was normally that homecoming was kind of the uh, the cutoff for it's time to get serious. No, but I mean, you guys, that was when Kent State became like you know everyone knew, right? And then you know you have the Ian Millers later after. Um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, uh, God, who is that kid from like Delaware who just? He was, he was a little bit after you. There's a kid from like Delaware or Connecticut that just this. He he was funky. I can't De Palma, remember. is that it? No, it wasn't De Palma. Um, all right, I don't know. I Delaware. Know. Yeah, you're getting way. You better like, cut that part. I don't know. <laughs> like, crazy hips. He he tossed some dudes. But let's talk about like how did you first ever, like we're we're flipping the script right now. How did you first ever get involved in wrestling? Like. Yeah. Um, so I started wrestling when I, I want to say I was five. Um, I started at the West End Y. Um, so I was a Y rat. Uh, my dad took me and my brother. My brother is uh, four years older than me. He's an official in Ohio, um, Northeast Ohio. Um, but we started at the West End Y. Um, uh, Rich Hunter was the head coach there. I uh, wrestled there till I was uh, probably about 12 years old. Um, but yeah, I started, I think I was the 40 pound weight class when I first <laughs> started and I, my, I had an early success in wrestling. Um, so my first tournament, um, I want to say I was 40 pounds. It's probably like 1986, 85, 86. Yeah. And I wrestled Mark Jane in the finals. Oh, jeez. Uh, yep. So I want to say Mason Leonard, Mark Jane, they're all Craig Demetrius. So all guys from that era. So you guys were all 40 pounds soaking wet back in 1986. Yeah. It was a meat grinder. And uh, if there's film, that's probably worth money. Yeah. Un- 
<laughs> Unfortunately, I had early success against Mark Chain, but he got the best of me later on in life. So, okay. you know, just a big fan of wrestling. I played other sports. I, I was in baseball and football, but I think everyone just started to zero me in as, as the wrestler. Um, Cause I just had a lot of success in wrestling. I was always, if I wasn't winning tournaments, I was in, you know, in the finals, first, second, pretty much every tournament growing up. Um, from there, I went to Lake Catholic, um, had success there. My freshman year was a bit rough for me. Uh, I it probably weighed 90 pounds, 95 pounds my freshman year. So it was a bit, uh, bit rough. Um, Wrestling on three, right? Yeah. Yeah. I just took my lumps. We were, we had a pretty rough schedule at Lake Catholic. We, 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 well, uh, you're in Northeast Ohio. So like, it's yeah. possible so, to- that was a, that was a bit of um, bit humbling experience because I you know I came out of the junior high era you know just on top of it and then just kind of got roughed up. I remember taking a beating from Scott Burnett my freshman year, thinking, "Oh man, what the heck just happened?" <laughs> oh, first of all, that dude's a monster. I told. Oh, you. he's a stud. I mean, he's Scott's he, a, he's great. one of the better guys out I mean, there. Nine and a half points away from challenging San Ed's. I love it. I, I love what he's doing over there, man. I, I, I keep up on, I, I'm, I'm a wrestling nerd first and foremost. I mean, I, I stay on top of, you I think maybe the only person that's maybe more knowledgeable and pays more attention is probably Zeb, Zeb. than I do. Yeah. Zeb, um, Zeb has us, Zeb's up here. Yeah. <laughs> all just trying to get, yeah. uh, you can't see my hand. Uh, Zeb's up here. We're all just trying to get here. Like, right. You know. But I, I, as far as like Ohio history and Ohio knowledge, like I stay into it and like I'll text my dad stuff all the time throughout the week about Ohio wrestling and even Tennessee wrestling now. You know, I just I just just watch it and pay attention. But what Scotty's doing at Perrysburg and Perrysburg, I remember back in my day that they were that wasn't even a pro. I mean, there was nobody there. And now to see what he's doing is just incredible. And what his brother did at Elyria, I mean, what a family of wrestling. It's it's incredible. But yeah, he, I mean he was he was a stud in high school and in youth wrestling and in high school. And then oh, even yeah. what year was that then? Like, so you graduated. My freshman year in high school was 95. Now, finally, my sophomore year, I was actually 103 pounds. So, uh, oh, you made weight. Hey, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I finished third and then third again. Lost to Sean Atkins one. a few times. Sean Atkins won. Yeah, but you're D D1. No, D2. D2. Yeah, Lake Catholic's D2. Um, then my senior year, I won it, um, which was finally got that off my back. But what? I mean, tell me about that. Cause like a lot of people don't realize that you go from like achieving what you've wanted to achieve. Yeah. But you kind of don't get to talk to anyone other than your coaches. Like you have to go talk to the press. You have to go to this room. Like, oh, no, 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 no. I, I think I invented running into the crowd and like talking to everyone. I, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I totally, Oh, I celebrated buddy. Uh, <laughs> that was, you should, I, I want to hear about it. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm kind of leading you a little bit. Oh, here. Let me show you. Let me show you Bryce. Look at that. There it is. Front page of the paper, buddy. Dude, that is so <laughs> sick. That's awesome. The anniversary. Oh, like, was tell me about that. Uh, tell me, I, I never got to experience. So, yeah. Um, we uh, Three days ago was uh, 314. So we I uh, we have a family celebration every year. This is 24 anniversary, um, just a couple days ago. So the family, we sit down, we watch the video. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, 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 I love it. This is, this is gold. No, um, no but so tell me. I always wonder, though, anniversary? like, that was like, and I'm being serious, that was my life goal, right, to win a state title. And I always wonder if had I lost that match or, you know, things not worked out, would I have been more successful in life? Because, like, you're, like, the feeling of winning that match was, like, you talk about the weight off your shoulders and, like, people always ask me, what's the greatest day, moment of your life? And, of course, the wedding and kids being born. Yes, yes. But it's without a doubt that stuff aside was that moment, right? Because like that feeling of like weightlessness, like cannot be explained. It just can't. Because when you have one goal like that and you're so determined, 
and you're so young and your right. whole life you're like it's almost too young to remember this is the goal that you have and you finally achieved it and let's face it at that age you're not smart enough to really understand that right. there's kids and there's marriage and there's so many more things in front of you like correct no that, this is so this is what i struggle with a lot right because that you're not i was 17 years old and here i am i just in my mind at that time achieved my life goal so now what? <laughs> so I have not 18 yet. And at my, in my head, I'm like, well, I'm done. I, I don't know what else I'm supposed to do, but I'm at, the next day I was not going to wrestle in college. So I told, really? I told, wait, I told, wait, all, wait. really, you're done. Yeah. 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 I was, I had met and achieved what I set out to achieve. Um, it wasn't until weeks later when I started to realize that I wanted to accomplish more. Um, but at that time, in that moment, you know, when you spent like I used to at that time, we used to cut a lot of weight. Right. So that era, it wasn't just practice. It was, it was different. It was different than when you're in college and, you know, when I got to compete, too. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a completely it, it was a different sport. Right. So we didn't just practice we didn't it, it was a mental focus and a mental like it was it was it was mental abuse right you were I'd sit in class and just calculate how much weight I had to lose every you know how many miles would I have to run every day and you know you'd run three four miles before practice you run three four miles after practice you'd run before school it was it was it was it was rough right and I was just looking for let me accomplish this goal and then I was going to be done and just take a that mental break and maybe go to school, maybe not, maybe just get a job. Um, I actually was going to go to Bowling Green and it's like, I'm going to go somewhere. It doesn't have wrestling. I won't be, I won't, there will be no option to wrestle. Um, and then it was probably mid April. I went on, I went to spring break with my buddies instead of going to senior nationals. I went on spring break, had a great time. I, I don't think I'd change any of that because I probably needed it. I just needed to, yeah, it worked out well. yeah it, it, everything works out the way it's supposed to work out I think but uh, my you know my teammate Mark Bex he, he went to senior nationals placed that I don't know probably top four ended up going to Penn State was an all-american at Penn State um, and throughout high school that's where I wanted to go I wanted to go to Penn State they sent me a letter like my junior year and I was interested and then I started telling people that I wasn't going to wrestle in college and then the, you know we're out he's not gonna wrestle in college and then I just stopped responding to everybody. Um, and then it wasn't until weeks later after I went on spring break where I started to have regret. And then my coach sent out some email. I don't know if it was emails back then. It was probably called them. I don't think, I don't, I don't think email was a thing yet. Uh, I got, it, was, it wasn't until late April where I started taking some visits. And then um, Frank Romano and Jim Andresi reached out and that's where I ended up going. Everything worked out the way it's supposed to work out. So, uh, dude, that story's nuts. Um, first of all, so let's like let's hypothetically take your uh, story a little bit. And for kids that aren't going to be able to compete at Division three, two, or one, right? Yeah, the wrestling season's over. Um, we need them to become officials. Let's face it. But like, what was that thing where that made you like, I need to compete? Like, what was the thing that made you say, I miss wrestling? Like for the people that maybe miss wrestling, but aren't going to be a D1 competitor like you? Like, right. Well, what's the thing that, you know, they should be aware of to be like, well, maybe I should be an official or something like that. I, first of all, I, I think there's just something about being involved. I think if you need to be involved with something, right. And just to go to, I, the connections are worth it alone, right? So having the friendships, having those connections, like you talk about having connections at the next level, it's super important. You know, I'm in sales, you're in sales, but it it, it speaks volumes like to have those connections at the next level, right? In wrestling, whatever it is, it's officiating, if it's coaching, if it's wrestling, if it's basketball, baseball, whatever it is. You know, I, I coach baseball now in the community and it, it helps me not just, professionally but it helps me you know having we moved to nashville a few years ago we know hundreds of people now just from being involved with the community it, it's it, it helps improve life right so 
get involved. I, I tell this to everyone I, I'm around, find something and get involved with it. Um, but for me, like, I don't know what it was. I, there's just something inside where it's like, it's like a burning desire to compete no matter what it is. And it's almost <laughs> like that with, with officiating too. Like, I don't think it's a competitiveness with officiating, but I do want to be the best official out there. Um, I have a desire, like, I don't, I don't want to make a mistake. That's for sure. But I also want, um, I, it's hard to really describe my style of officiating. No, but I like, I, I don't want to interrupt you, but this is really important. Like, um, I can tell you're taking it very seriously right now. And people need to understand, like, that's how officials take when they officiate very seriously. Um, yeah, like, that's sometimes yeah, there's a switch that goes on almost like you, I think you understand my personality. Like when it's fun time, I'm, I'm a lot of fun. Um, I, there's that fun switch, but then as soon as it's like go time, like there's just the switch that goes off where I'm like just in a zone and like when we're at a tournament, right. We're, we're the other officials are sitting on, we're sitting on the sideline. We're having a good time. It's my time to go on the mat. As soon as I step into that circle, it's, it's a complete zone that you enter. And it's that zone that, that feeling, that vibe, like I chase that adrenaline. I think that's like with most like um, extreme sport athletes, like that, like people, like you watch this, you watch um, like Johnny did Julius ever. He watches, yeah, he's killing it. Right. But he's, he's like, he jumps out of airplanes. Like, I don't, I, there's something he's chasing there. Right. And yes. he has a fear. Like you watch him, he has a fear. Like the fear is there, but he does it and he's doing it because he's chasing something. I feel like that's, Obviously, I don't have a fear of dying when I'm going to officiate, but there's that, and there's times where I'm like, man, I don't want to officiate this weekend. I'd rather do something else. I'd rather go, I don't know, I do go to dinner with my wife or something, but I have the need to be out there to keep, it keeps me young. It keeps me who I am to be in the center and have, get into that zone, right? Um, it's, it's really hard to uh, pinpoint that. It's hard to, to articulate it, I think, is right. what you're saying. And, but the, the end result is you're a competitor. Right. You want to help other people compete. Yeah, and I also just, I do have a, um, a distaste for bad officiating. Okay, so. let's go into that. Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's go into that. I mean, because seriously, um, so you know, we're coming off. The, let, I'll set you up. I got you. Okay. Uh, we're coming off uh, state season here in Ohio. Yeah. There are some questionable calls, um, some big ones, right, that have sure. big implications. So uh, let's talk about, you know, your distaste for, you know, not officiating things and how that, you know, as you as a competitor, how you, you would have felt if you're on the wrong side, right, of those calls. And yeah, so um, I, I've watched a lot of those videos and I, they're, they're tough to watch some of them. Um, and I think it's more about a mismanagement, um, on some of them. I think we're speaking about the same match at the moment, but yeah. Um, yeah, that it, it's tough. It's, it's tough to watch, you know, you have these kids and I, they put a lot into it. Right. So you know, going through that grind yourself and knowing what these kids go through um, is important. And it's important to always keep that in the back of your mind when you're officiating. But it's also important to know the time, know the score. That That's always in your head as an official. And the, That's I, your job. Right. Your job is to know the score, award the points, and manage the match. And just being aware. You have to be aware of what's going on and what is happening. Um, and the officials that say they don't know the time, like that they don't know that, or they say you shouldn't know that that's craziness to me. Like you have to be aware of match situations and, and aware of what's happening. Um, because yeah, that, that was painful. Um, it was painful to watch a little bit, <laughs> Yeah, um, but like, I think you, people know what we're talking about, but I mean, like, like as an official, like for me, I like to keep. The intensity of the match, 
I want to see kids banging in the center. Um, and I like to keep that intensity in the center, but I also like, I like the, I like to keep the kids passion involved in the match. Um, and there's a way to, uh, when you go out of bounds to corral them back to the center quickly though. Um, and there's a way to quickly end a discussion with a coach. Um, and I think sales, like, so you and I are both in sales, right? Um, and we deal with people at high levels in corner offices all the time. So we have a good way of, we know how to uh, have those high level discussions with people that is non-conflict, right? So I can have a quick conversation with a coach. Um, no one's angry and we're right back to it. And then there's a way to communicate with a wrestler that keeps emotions low, but keeps the intensity of a match move, like in, like we keep the intensity high. Um, and I, I think most coaches and wrestlers appreciate that when I'm officiating a match. Do you, do you think like, uh, so some, I'm a coach as well, um, and official, like my favorite officials are the ones that communicate like, Hey, I've got red in control. Like, sure. red, you know, they're, well, that's verbal communication. I think is one of, if not the most important thing when officiating a match. Exactly. But do you think that like competitors, like I, I hear you on the coaches, they re realize like if you're being verbal and saying this and communicating with them they know what's coming but do you think like competitors realize that or yeah because i think well there that's two part yeah because a lot of times you'll have a takedown um and they need to know to unlock their hands situations like that but also they feed off of their coaches so if a coach isn't aware of what's happening they start yelling at the official the wrestler then feeds off of that coach and then it becomes a negative situation so if i can keep the coach from that uh turning negative it generally keeps the wrestler from turning that way as well um so a lot of times the wrestler is a mirror image of the coach <laughs> couldn't have said that better than what i had in my head um <laughs> so uh you know being a d1 uh athlete like what does that help how does that help you with officiating um, well, I think it helped me get started a lot faster than most officials um, because I had a lot of, um, I think I got a lot of respect early on just because of my background and I got thrown into a lot of really, uh, I, I, got, I got a lot of early respect and got thrown a lot of high level matches early on just because of my background. And I think I did a good job with it. Um, so then I just got more and more um, big matches from it. Um, but I think I handle a lot of, um, of those high pressure matches well, um, because I've been in the fire, um, being in those high, you know, those tough matches, they help me officiate those tough matches. And I still get those butterflies. I had a pretty good state finals match two weeks ago, two nationally ranked kids right out of the gate, 106 hey, pounds. Hold on. How many times have you done the state tournament in Tennessee? Uh, 15 times. All right. So, yeah, so I, I get, um, when there's generally, it's a good match. I, I, I like to get it. And I, I like, I like those, I still get those butterflies and it's fun. And that's, I, I chase that. It's, it's like an adrenaline and I'm an adrenaline junkie, I suppose. Um, and I can't compete anymore. I mean, I still go to the CrossFit gym every morning, um, but I'm 40, I'll be 42 tomorrow. So my, Whoa, uh, wait, wait, wait a minute, happy birthday early. Thank you. Thank you. I, I think this is going to film, um, but I think you can ask your cousin. I generally start celebrating my birthday the day before St. Patty's Day, and then I really run it through the entire weekend. <laughs> so, um, but my level of fitness as I age, I'm noticing is um, I'm, 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 I'm going down the ladder, I suppose. You know, these kids that are coming in the gym are getting younger and younger, and it's it's really starting to tick me off a little bit. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I remember, so um, after college, I went and coached at Lake Catholic for four years. And then I went over to Notre Dame and was coaching. Um, really? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. And then that's when I moved to Memphis. Um, I was coaching with Anthony Ralph. And I, I remember one year at the national tournament. Man, do we, there was some, there was some questionable officiating and, Anthony and I used to sit up and just, I, a lot of days we just talk about some, some horrible officiating. 
I think when I decided to be an official, I think that was one of the tougher conversations I had was telling Anthony that I was going to be an official. I'm, <laughs> he's like, you're doing what? <laughs> I know. <laughs> that, that was, I still struggle with, and I don't know why, but I'm trying to do my best to shine the light on officiating and how important it is. Um, but I still struggle sometimes telling people I'm an official. I don't know why that is. Well, dude, like, because I think, I think the thing is, is though you're trained if you're a good official, right. And, and correct me if I'm wrong. If you're a good official, you're not noticed. You're there. You award the points. You make sure everyone's safe. You make sure the match goes the way that it is. Right. And we're trained to kind of be like in the, behind the scenes. And I say, we, I've, I haven't had the whistle since 2002. Right. Yeah. Um, but like in a lot of professions that happens and it's like, but no, we need to promote ourselves if we want other people to do this. Like, yeah. And so we struggle with, well, we're supposed to be behind the scenes and not be seen, just call the matches. But then you're telling me we need to get other people to be officials and promote themselves. Those two things don't mix. Right. And I think they should. And uh, actually, we're going to put a class on to help officials try to promote themselves. But like, how, in your opinion, how could people promote like what we do better? Yeah, it, so we do, I, we have something pretty special here in Middle Tennessee, Middle Tennessee. So the Middle Tennessee Wrestling Official Association, we have about 40 members or so. We do a really good job in the community. Uh, we do fundraisers all year round, uh, a, a ton of them. We do a golf outing. Um, we do a, what we call a grand championships and we raise quite a bit of money. And what we do is we buy wrestling shoes um, and we give them back to the inner city schools. So we'll go around and we'll give out shoes um, to uh, anyone that really can't afford them. Right. So we go into newer programs, we give new programs money and we give um, just about ton of shoes out. So we'll give hundreds of pairs of shoes out a year and then we'll cut checks to for new mats and new stuff. So we try to highlight that uh, that we're doing good stuff. But we also try to get uh, these kids that are going to college. There's MTSU around here. There's Austin P around here. Um, there's Belmont University. So um, we're trying to get those kids around the area that were wrestling throughout high school. You could go work at Chipotle um, throughout college and make eight dollars an hour or you could come work this tournament and make a couple hundred bucks and watch wrestling it's not that bad um it's 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 a lot more fun you get to hang out with some dudes um and watch wrestling if if that was an option for me in college i would have done it um if i wasn't wrestling i just i couldn't imagine i didn't know it was an option and if there were days that we weren't competing that i could have done it i probably would have because i just love being around wrestling and i know there's other people like me and you out there that could have taken advantage of the situation um but you're right we do we we need to shine the light on the good that we're doing more often and middle tennessee and well all of tennessee does a really good job of um you know they'll present an official with an award every year they'll have like an official of the year um which really threw me off one time i was in middle i was in um Memphis and they're like, you know, it was the end of the region tournament. And they're like, oh, officially, you're right. So I was like, what are you guys crazy? What <laughs> I'm not trying to get killed out here. <laughs> Sounds like you. <laughs> Why'd you give me an award? Are you nuts? These people are trying to kill us. Um, but I mean, there were officials in my life that had an impact that, like, I, I remember like growing up at the West NY, the, the head coach at the Lake County Y, the LCCY, they're black and gold, which I don't like the color black and gold because I'm a Browns fan. Steelers are gross. And LCCY was black and gold. Um, I believe, I think his first name was Jeff, Jeff Barons. And I think his, his brother was a coach as well. Um, he was the head coach at the LCCY. And then he was also an official. And I remember like, oh my gosh, I didn't like him because he was the head coach at LCCY. And then he was an official on top of it. I'm like, you guys didn't like him. Like, I'm like, yeah. this guy. You and dead to me, I was, bro. <laughs> I was in middle school one time and I had a tough match and he was the official. I'm like, oh, this he's gonna, he's gonna screw me. Like this guy's he's gonna get me. Like this guy. 
Well, I, I win the match. It's a close match at the end. of so like a takedown at the end or something. He raised my hand and he like, he leans in. He's like, the right guy won that match. Great job, Ryan. And he said to me, I'm like, oh my gosh, he's a human. He like, like and like, I remember like, what was that? 30 some years ago. And I'm just like, it still rings true in my head. I'm like, words. He, great job, Ryan. Uh, yeah. That was a good match. So six. Right. And, yeah, that and like, made, that made all the difference. Right. And like, and like, what a good guy. Like, and hey, I thought he was the evil empire my whole life. And turns out he was a pretty darn good guy. And I'm like, Sandy Cajo, like he, one time he donated money when I was on How All-Star team. Like it, I never had a conversation with him in my entire life. I get a check in the mail from him for donating to my trip. I'm like, wow, look at this guy. And then I booed him, I think one time when we were wrestling a college match. But I think what you're saying is like, if, if you can step outside of your emotions and just look at their people. Yeah, you know, I get it. And that's why people, there's I, no competition. Without you, there is no competition. That's why I try not to take it personal when I make a, a tough call because inevitably I'm going to make a tough call. Like I got to make a stall call once in a while that I know half the gym's not going to like, and they're going to, they're going to boo me, but I try not to take it personal, even though I do. Um, it, the tough calls have to be made in the sport and that gray area that we have, we have to make a choice and we can't, we can't waver on it. We've got to make a call and it's got to be crisp and it's got to be clean and you got to move on. Um, I think sometimes talking about mechanics though, right? Like you make yeah. the call, need to be confident in it um yeah calls are confident and and it's got to look clean and crisp and you gotta when you make a call you got to deliver the call and it's not a you know hand halfway up it's it's you're making the call and you're moving on and it's clean and it's crisp and you're moving and and if someone wants to question it you're going to be able to give them a clear definite answer and then we're moving on and that's that's just it um and generally they can understand that and i can fairly well explain give my explanation on why i gave something um pretty good but um well, you know i had a guest on uh, that's gonna come before this episode um but he talked about an official who's a college official mm-hmm. um who said he has uh, a deaf uh family member that mm-hmm. loves wrestling and so what he said is how you make your call is imagine you have no hearing Sure. How you make your call is how they see the story or the match unfolding. Interesting. And so if you imagine that everyone can't hear what's going on, but your, you know, how you act, your mechanics and how on point or off point they are, are telling the story. Can you imagine how that story could be, you know, perceived one way or another way? Yeah. Um, so what you just said is, is really interesting to me. Interesting. Well, I'm glad I could give some insight. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while, right? Um, I, I had one time a, um, this is what I'm saying. Like, I had such a distaste for officials, but yet, time and time again, I have a story of like an official, like going out of his way to like change your life. Yeah. Or had some sort of impact where they came out of their way to show me how human they were. Let's um, hear about it. Well, no, it just, like, uh, I, I I remember being in a tournament one time, um, and I'm Tony, Tony, Tony Campola, Campola. Yep. Yep. He officiated my match somewhere. Um, I got, I was in on a low single. It was it was a lopsided match. I was it might have been fourteen to one or what tournament. Do you mind like this is a CIT? Okay. Oh, Catholic Invitational. Tough. Yeah. Yeah. Finals match, and I, I was I was wrestling a real good match. It was. Second period, I think I was I was 14 to one, 14 to two. I was in on a low single. The kid locks in my crotch and like lifts me up. Tony blows the whistle. Um, after the whistle, the kid like just power bombs me right on my head. And Tony's in the background, like, you know, doing some hand signals. And uh, it was a flagrant misconduct, which sucked because on the score sheet it says disqualified, and on my plaque it says disqualified. <laughs> yeah, right. But I, I ran into him a couple of weeks oh, later. Man, you didn't get the tech. <laughs> yeah. I, he's like, hey, Ryan, I got something for you. And it was a picture, the front page of like the Dayton newspaper. 
it was a picture of me getting my face slammed in the mat and him in the background doing his hand signals. I'm like, oh, this is a beauty. <laughs> but like, it was funny. And like, I just thought, like, this is pretty cool. He he saw this and then sought me out to, to find yeah, me. So. I think like, as far as uh, recruiting goes, like just being a human and like, I saw you last week, right? Like we're in the same area. When we right. Like you see yeah. those kids, like just saying, hey, nice job last week. Or right. um, going up to the table workers and knowing maybe some of them are Matt Stats or, uh, you know, wrestlers at a bitty program just being like, hey, you'd be a great official. Like doing simple stuff like that could help our sports so yeah. much. And yeah, I, I think, think a lot of times we're just viewed as you're in stripes, you're the enemy. But when yeah, you I get think that's where like, you know, do, doing both sides of the coin, right? So I also coach, you know, a, youth program right so I'm, I'm seeing the young officials out there and i'm coaching in the corner and then the next week it's flipped where i'm out in the center of the mat officiating so um they're seeing me on both sides right so i'm, I'm, I'm involved all the time everywhere but um i i just think it's how do, you, how do you think we help these young guys you know because um i think it sounds like we're talking tennessee and ohio are pretty similar right you get your license and then you have to do biddy for a year to get your next class, which in my opinion, and throw a shoe at me if you want, but biddy is the toughest assignment ever because <laughs> coaches are dads or family members. Awful. The wrestling is spaghetti wrestling. So like burning, letting calls hold, all that stuff is really, really tough. I'm of the mind that if you're a new official, you should, and I know JV teams are going down now, uh, participation is going down, but I almost feel like you, you should be two manning it with a, like an established referee do yeah. JV, then junior high, then maybe Biddy, because yeah. the two reasons people leave is because of pay and how they're treated. And right. uh, Biddy is, let's face it, not the it's best. Brutal. Yeah. Well, the, anything AAU is generally brutal, right? I mean, you get the parents in the corner, oh, and you're in for a long day. I mean, and I don't know about you, but generally the pay isn't as well either. So you get these new officials, they're there all day on their feet. They're generally doing a terrible mat rotation where they're going around and they're just getting screamed at by moms and dads and coaches and it's just pure chaos. You're right, there's no control. So you're letting things burn. If you want to let it burn all day, you can just roll around back and forth and it's just, it's hard to call. Right. Um, so we lose a lot of officials on that platform. So we're a little bit separated here in Tennessee where we have AAU officials and then we have TSSAA officials. We, some guys do both. Can you explain that please? Yeah. TSSAA is our high school, junior high. OHSAA. Yeah, exactly. And then AAU is generally the yeah, youth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you guys have OAC probably and AAU. I don't, you guys have, Yes, sir. this is where Ohio has more depth and has more uh, going on than Tennessee. Tennessee is growing. The sport of wrestling is growing. And now with women's wrestling, it's really taken off. Um, is it sanctioned? Yeah. So Ohio or Tennessee is fully sanctioned. We had our first the individual tournament has been sanctioned for two years now, I think. And now our state duels this year were the first, it's the first year and the first state in the United States that had sanctioned state duels for the women. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. it's actually, I mean, so the state duels this year were really fun. Like it's our venue for our state tournament. It's in a, they call it the cow palace. It's at a, like a ag center and they like, they steamroll the dirt and then roll some carpet on top of it. But it's, a little bit far away the mats are far away from the the stands and it can get a little lonely out there in the center the women's fans they had it was louder than heck over there in the corner <laughs> like they're like oh i was on the women's mat for a little while i'm like i'm staying down here this place is it was hyped down in the corner and the, awesome, the, the girls were getting after it i mean they were it was feisty as all get out there they were throwing hands i'm like this is the place to be <laughs> the, the boys mats were boring it was the place to be, but um, you're right though. So the AAU, um, you're, we lose officials over there because it's they're, they're tough, long days. The pay is a little bit less. 
the parents can be a little bit brutal, um, but you're right. We could do better by having some of our senior officials um, shadow them, right? Going out there with them, putting an arm around them and helping them out and easing some of that burden, which is what we do in the beginning of our season. Uh, we'll go around, we do some, we call them jamborees or free days, basically. So the, they'll have like four or five jamborees in the beginning of the season for TSSAA season um, in the area. So there's shortened periods, one, 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 or one and a half, one and a half, one and a half, where we'll volunteer. So all the officials volunteer. It's a little bit less of a work day, but we'll have some of our senior officials kind of shadow the new guys. So we work with them with some better officiating, but um, with some better matches. So they're seeing some of that more high school matches where a little bit more clean, crisp takedowns. Because the state tournament's easier to call than the way easier, dude. Yeah, like you're getting clean takedowns. People know what they're doing instead of letting things. They know how to pin each other. It's really, yeah. yeah. It's a lot easier day. Um, it's it gets a lot easier the further along you go, and then uh, it gets more fun too, right? Well, uh, okay. We've been talking for a while. Let me ask you, what's your goal? Like, um, when you're done and you say I'm done from officiating, I never want to officiate another wrestling match. Like, what would help you, like, be able to make that decision? I know this is a uh, curveball. So, like, what's the pinnacle for you? Like, when you were a competitor, the state championship made you almost stop, right? And correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, made you reconsider if I want to wrestle anymore, right? Now yeah. you're official. You're well accomplished. Um, what's, like, the thing that you would be like, I would even consider I don't want to officiate anymore? Um, I think that would probably be family dependent. So, I would probably... We, we have an official out here, Don Elsie. I, I don't want to put a number on it, but I think he just called his 45th state tournament. Um, he's, he's a legend out here. He's been doing it forever. Um, Don's over in Chattanooga area. Um, he's been calling forever. Um, I'll get Chattanooga. That All right. That's, uh, that's where uh, the scuffle takes place, right? Yeah. And you guys used to go there. Yeah, we've got a lot of good officials down here in Tennessee. No, we're not all, not all hillbillies down here now, Bryce. I never said that, by the way. What's that? I never said that. We're coming along. The state is coming along in the sport of wrestling. I'm telling you. Progress. We're on the come up. Um, well, we're oh, so for me to call it, so I could probably do this until I'm dead and gone. But I, it would, but for me, it's going to come down to like, what are my kids and wife doing, right? So it's time dependent. If my kids are busy with gymnastics and dance or wrestling and baseball, and I can't officiate because of that, I might take time away from officiating. Um, if my son or whatever, you know, it could be something happens or health or something that would be why I'm not officiating or why I'm not coaching. Or if I need to step away to coach for a few years, I'll do that. But I think it's, I'll always circle back to either coaching or officiating or somehow being involved. I don't think there's ever a time where I'm going to just walk away from the sport of wrestling. It's done too much for me over my life to just be done. There's days I'm, uh, there's days where I'm like, you know what? I think I should probably go try and compete again. I think there's a little bit left in the tank. If I just train and then I realize I, I'll probably have a concussion within five minutes. So I probably shouldn't do that. But there's days where I'm daydreaming, where I'm laying in bed, like I should probably just, I got some new root issues a couple of weeks ago and they, <laughs> I, I feel really good in them. You know, I feel like. No one can see me, but I'm like smiling ear ear. Like this <laughs> is the answer that I wanted. Like you can see me. Right. I'm talking now. People can see me like that just. That, that's kind of how sick I am. Right. You no, know, there's no, days not sick. Like, like, dude, you are a wrestler and that's so freaking cool. Like, yeah, well, you know, I probably have issues, but. Um, I, there's no way I could ever not be involved with the sport unless my kids needed me to go do something else or my wife needed me to go do something else for a short period of time. But at some point I'll circle back to this sport and be involved somehow shape or another. I mean, I'll either be blowing a whistle or yelling at an official one way or another, I'm going to be involved. Um, I mean, I, I don't care what my son does. My son could, 
uh, be a Fortnite champion if he wants. I don't care. Um, as long as he's doing something and having fun doing it. Um, but if he wants to stick with wrestling and he wants to be good at it, I'll be in his corner or, or I won't. Or <laughs> maybe he'll tell me to go sit in the stands, and which would be cool too. Um, if he doesn't want to wrestle, I'll officiate. Um, I, I don't, I, whatever it is, man, I'm going to be involved somehow doing something. I can tell you that much. Um, heck, I, I mean, I'll be a towel tapper if they need me at some point um, once I get too old. I don't know of a better way to end this than what you just said. And uh, I really appreciate your time. And this is, been, I can't wait and stick on so we can uh, catch up. Yeah, sure. Now. But uh, hey, thanks so much for your time. You got it, Bryce. Anytime, buddy.